This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're looking for amazing deals on name brand products, Grocery Outlet is your destination. This week, start your day off right with Maxwell House Ground Coffee. 29.5 ounce containers are just $3.99. That's a wow savings of up to 60% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, get a great bargain on contented hen organic medium free range eggs. 18 count packages are just $2.99. That's a wow savings of up to 50%. Offers good through September 3rd. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market. You are listening to On the Daily, the RotoViz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by RotoViz Radio. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle of Fantasy Labs and RotoViz. Welcome to the October 7th, 2017 NASCAR edition of On the Daily. I'm joined by Dr. Nick Giffen, an editor at RotoViz, a PhD in mathematics, a three time qualifier for the DraftKings NASCAR main event, and one of the best NASCAR DFS players in the world. You can follow him on Twitter at RotoDoc. Nick, how's it going? Hey Matt, I'm uh, doing doing well. It's obviously been um, quite the week here in Las Vegas, of course, um, but uh, got me a little behind on NFL. Luckily, my NASCAR planning doesn't start usually until Tuesday when we get all the data in and stuff like that. So I'm not behind on NASCAR. I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm excited for the next round of the playoffs. We've, we've finally cut from 16 to 12. So Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Let's do it. NASCAR, baby. Yeah, so uh, first, let's talk about... Dover before we get to this week. Last weekend, the race at Dover. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, Kyle Busch overcame a poor handling car early on to take a late lead from Chase Elliott to secure his second straight win. Uh, you also secured your second straight win. Actually, I don't know if it was a victory, but you advanced. You advanced for the second straight week to the third round of the Fantasy Racing World Championship. So talk about your lineup at Dover. Yeah, it was interesting because I wasn't I wasn't sure how many people would end up on my lineup. I figured plenty would, and um, I definitely – I felt like there was more of a decision between Truex, Kyle Busch, and Kyle Larson than it ended up being. It turns out every single person, all 15 of us, ended up with Martin Truex Jr. And I think in a format you know, where you go from 15 to 10 and Truex starts in the pole, it's pretty hard to get away from him. But uh, you know, I, I really thought there was some merit to possibly putting Kyle Larson in my lineup. He looked like he had a – Really fast car uh, on the long run in the 10-lap average in final practice. He was only like fourth or fifth, but we also have to remember he had a – I think it was a 15-minute penalty. And then even after that, he made his run later in his part of the session. So uh, he was on old tires and he went late. So I figured he had a very good car. Um, But I didn't use him. Uh, Five people did. So five people used him. And, um, you know, they all did pretty well because Kyle Larson did end up dominating a chunk of that race. I think one of them ended up falling out and not making it because um, uh, one of their drivers had a problem, maybe maybe Trevor Bain or somebody like that. But uh, so it was really a debate on using Truex, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. And with Truex and Kyle Busch starting one, two, it was too hard for me, especially knowing my tiebreaker situation where I basically owned the tiebreaker over anybody except the other guy who qualified the first week with me. Um I, I, it was too hard to get away from Truex and Kyle Busch, so they were kind of gimmies. Um, Matt Benedetto was a gimme. He was 100% owned. Jamie McMurray was 100% owned. So uh, I mentioned Kyle Busch was was uh, or sorry Kyle, Kyle Larson was 33% owned. And if people had Kyle Larson in, in this event, they did not have Kyle Busch. So Kyle Busch is only 66.7% owned. Uh, and, and like I said, I had him. 
Then I rounded out my lineup with Jimmy Johnson, who qualified 17th and is possibly, well, probably is the best Dover driver of all time with 11 career wins at Dover. He started 17th, so plenty of value there. Uh, and then finally, I rounded out my roster with David Reagan, who qualified 28th and had really good practice times. And it all worked out for me. Um, when the first caution came out, it came out at a weird time. A bunch of people had pitted. And there were five drivers that had yet to make their pit stop. They were kind of trying to extend their fuel window. David Reagan actually turned out to be one of them, as did Kyle Busch. So that really benefited me because David Reagan now was one of five cars in the lead lap when everybody else went a lap down. Of course, a bunch of them got the wave around. And, and you know, so David Reagan didn't end up finishing up there in fifth because a long race to go. But the idea is he stayed on the lead lap the whole race, moved up from 28th to, you know, in, the, in around 21st or 20th, something like that, and uh, was really a big boon to my roster. So uh, just between the fact that I could play it pretty conservative with my situation there, uh, that's I went with a pretty chalky roster. Four other people had the exact same roster as me, including um, the other person that qualified the first weekend with me. So uh this week of course i think a little bit different story yeah so let's continue talking about the fantasy racing world championship uh well actually first before we do that i should remind everyone of course that you can get a 30 percent discount to a special nascar pass through the nascar podcast homepage rotaviz.com slash nascar podcast with that pass you get unlimited access to all of nick's nascar content and your subscription it supports the pod also of course it is nfl so you know Subscribe to Rotoviz's NFL package through the podcast, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Okay, now let's get back to talking about the Fantasy Racing World Championship. So this week, it's the third round. It functions essentially as a double up because there are 10 players remaining and only five advance to the final round. So uh, without giving away too much, how are you preparing for this round of the main event? Yeah, um, I'm just going to pick names at random. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I think, that's uh, what I, I think, do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why I have you as my co-host here. It's worked so. out really well for both of us. I, I think so. But uh, no, in, in all seriousness, the way I'm preparing this weekend um, is – or for this weekend, I should say, is uh, – of course, I've watched last year's second race at Charlotte. There was the first race this year at Charlotte, which I think is also important to understand – the dynamics of the racing there, but uh, I, especially because we'll talk about this later, but the, the compound, the resin will be added again. So I really wanted to study the first race this year. Obviously there's, there's going to be some differences, but the idea is studying a lot of the races, studying Charlotte history. And then um, I think the other thing that's going to be very important for me this weekend in terms of my prep is just really, really, really deep diving on practice this week. Uh, I think this is going to be a hugely important week for practice. And the reason is because we'll talk about it, but qualifying a little interesting this week. Uh, of course, you know, a lot of weeks it seems like Truex Larson and Kyle Busch are right up there. One, two, three. You know, they were they were one, two, three last week in qualifying. Not the case. None of them qualified inside the top three this week. So. I think there's going to be a pretty heavy focus on trying to sort out dominators, trying to sort out the best place differential guys, and I think a lot of that will come from studying practice. So uh, that's going to be my key here. Obviously, I'm going to look at um, some, some things in practice that will be, I think, important, not just 10-lap average, but some other things as well and that I don't completely want to get into. And then uh, there's a couple other tricks I have up my sleeve that I also don't completely want to divulge, but... Uh, I'm pretty excited. This is 10 down to 5. Uh, you know, it could either be total disaster or, or total sweetness because advance into that last five, you're guaranteed at least $10,000 with a shot at the $50,000 first prize at a restrictor plate track, which is, of course, as everybody knows, uh, I, I tend to do well at those. Yeah, and uh, obviously there's a lot that you don't want to say, so I'm going to ask some follow-up questions. <laughs> uh, okay, so one of the questions I have uh, – Previously, there's been a lot of chalk, and so you've had a lot of people settle on the, si the same lineups. Uh, and so one would be that uh, the concern that you might have going from 10 to 5 about a replication of lineups, uh, but then it also seems like that might not be quite as applicable this race because some of the drivers that ordinarily would be chalky aren't in great position. So does it seem like more of a wide open field in terms of driver selection this week? I definitely think so. I think we could see 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten unique lineups. Honestly, I really think we could see uh, a ton of unique lineups. Uh, I, I, I don't expect many duplicates at all. Um, I think people will end up in a lot of different things, and it's not because anybody's uh, doesn't know what they're doing or anything like that. They all, everybody who's here knows what they're doing. Period. Uh, I think the reason people end up on different lineups is because qualifying certainly ended up pretty different from what we're used to. We don't have one of the big big names right up in the top three. Kyle Busch did qualify fourth, which is um, you know I guess important there, but. Uh, you know, Truex qualified 17th, Kyle Larson qualified 10th, um, Jimmy Johnson qualified 25th, Joey Logano 28th. You know, there's a lot. Eric Jones didn't even make a qualifying run. So there's a lot of place differential potential with some big names. But you also, with 334 laps, need dominators. So who are going to be those dominators? There's a lot of ways this race could go, period, you know. And so I think this is a week where we could see 8, 9, 10 different lineups, and it's going to come down to – really strategizing around what you think the competition is going to do, what you think makes the most sense in terms of dominators and place differential. And also what you think, uh, you know, I, I guess knowing your tiebreaker situation anyway, just in case you do end up in a tiebreaker scenario, which I do own that. So I can be a think a little more conservative, but I'm still just, I'm not worried about being conservative. I'm worried about putting in the best lineup that I can because I do think there's going to be a lot of spread of lineups. And this is the first time it's a 50-50, right? Week one was 25 to 15, so more than half the field, uh, you know, uh, three-fifths of the field qualified through. And then this past, two-thirds qualified through. So this is a true 50-50. I think there's, especially with a lot of, you know, it almost feels like an NFL 50-50 in some ways that you could just have, 100 people enter and have 100 different NFL lineups in a 50-50. I think we could see that this weekend in NASCAR. Awesome. Uh, going to be very exciting to track that. And what is the money that is at stake right now? So the people who get uh, booted in this round, what do they finish with? They finish with 6K, uh -huh. uh, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at, of course. But with a 50K prize up top, yeah. uh, you know, you definitely want to – Put yourself in a position to at least make that final round. Talladega, we know anything can happen. Restrictor plate, wrecks happen, and you only get one bullet. You don't get you know, multi-entering like I have the opportunity to do. But uh, I still think you want to get into that final five because it's going to be so important to give yourself a chance. The good thing I have going for me is two years ago when I qualified for the Fantasy Racing World Championship, Charlotte was one of the races I qualified for. This year... The one race I qualified for for the Fantasy Racing World Championship this year was also the first Charlotte race. So I'm hoping I've got the Charlotte magic with me. <laughs> the Charlotte magic. You know, that sounds very uh, mathematical. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm also yeah. like, you know, I just moved from North Carolina, so it, <laughs> yes. it should be like my, my home track, right? There you go. Home track advantage. Okay. Before we talk about Charlotte, uh, let's talk about the NASCAR playoffs. So we had the first cut from 16 to 12. Casey Kane, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, and Ryan Newman didn't make it through. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was the final car through on points. So what are the current playoff standings as we move into the second round? Yeah, so um, it's actually pretty interesting because the playoff standings have changed a little bit because NASCAR continued to award playoff points during the first round of the playoffs. So earlier, uh, Kyle Larson going into the first round was the number two seed. And uh, now that Kyle Busch actually got two wins and, and won a stage or two, he's actually leapfrogged Kyle Larson in the standings. So uh, they've reset the points. Martin Truex Jr. has 59 playoff points. Kyle Busch now has 41 playoff points. Kyle Larson, 34. So those are the top three. Um, for, we'll talk about the contest in a minute, but, but for the contest purposes, it reverts to the seating reverts to the first round, but, but now they've kind of reseeded everybody. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. is one, as I mentioned, Kyle Busch about 18 points back, Kyle Larson, 25 points back from there. Keselowski, Johnson, Harvick, Hamlin, they're all pretty bunched together. Uh, even Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They're all within 10 points of each other. Um, so Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is in eighth even though he was the last car to make it in because he had those two wins at the restrictor plate tracks earlier this year, he got 10 playoff points for that, which is more than Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Matt Kenseth, and Jamie McMurray have rounding out the rest of the playoff field there. So Jamie McMurray already 56 points behind Martin Truex Jr. because of playoff points. So that's almost a full race. 
Jamie McMurray definitely will have his work cut out for him. But hey, he was the 16 seed and made it down to the final 12. So, uh, you know, he's the last seed here. He could still make it into the next round, the, the round of eight. All right. So you mentioned earlier in passing the road of his NASCAR playoff challenge. Let's talk about that in more depth. On Wednesday, you posted an article with the bracket. So remind everyone what the Rotoviz NASCAR Playoff Challenge is and uh, how they can win and how they can participate. Yeah, so it's like we've been talking about. If you haven't been listening to the pod yet, uh, we've got this Playoff Challenge. And um, I post an article. So if you go to the Rotoviz uh, website and look up the NASCAR articles, it'll be the most recent NASCAR article. Uh, we have a you know a, a main header there, and you can click on NASCAR articles and, and go right to that most recent article. But um, what you do is you go there, you download the playoff bracket, and the bracket is essentially kind of like an NCAA-style bracket. You're going from 12 teams down to eight, eight drivers down to four. I should say drivers, not teams. 12 to eight, eight to four, and then the final four, you're picking the order that they finish. And there's points allocated for each driver advancing as well as for uh, finishing position in the final championship round. Plus, you get bonus points for the driver's seed or double bonus points or even in the final round, triple or quadruple bonus points based off the driver's seed. Uh, so obviously, it rewards you to pick the right drivers going as far as they can and getting them right. But uh, yeah, it's it's a cool contest. Um, we ran this two years ago and a lot of great entries. I think the winning entry only won by three points. So I expect a lot of close competition this year. And when I post my article uh, after final practice on Saturday, so recording this Friday night, of course, on Saturday when I post my final uh, or my article after final practice, again, I'll have a link to that original article in the bracket again. Uh, make sure you download that, fill it out, email it to onthedailydfs at gmail.com. I know, Matt, we've already had plenty of entries. We have had a lot of entries. Uh, it was pretty impressive to see them all come in very quickly. Uh, Nick. I, oh, I, I forgot to mention the yeah, prizes. What, what can, yeah, what can people win? Yeah, so first place, a lifetime pass to Rotoviz, all of Rotoviz, everything, NFL, NASCAR, NBA, PGA, whatever else we end up coming up with in the future, all of that forever. And, and the more important part, the yes. more important part, a Rotoviz athletic pullover, which I think are arriving either late this uh, week. I don't know if anybody's gotten any yet, but probably most of them are arriving next week. And uh, when I get the Rotoviz athletic pullover and we get a winner from this contest, I will mail it directly to you. So you will get a Rotoviz athletic pullover. It's sweet. It's it's like gray. It's got the bright red Rotoviz logo on it. Uh, you know, all that nice polyestery zip half zip thing so it'll be fun um that's that's the that's the true prize in my opinion oh, second that's, place that's the best prize and nick i have to say i'm wearing one right now did you get yours i got mine today nice that's and good uh, to know. the the wife really liked it she she saw it and she was like wow you've really made it <laughs> <laughs> it was like right. wow I, that's impressive like that's better than the my... hoodie that you normally wear I could pat myself on the back because I designed that. So. It looks really good. Kudos to you. And uh, obviously, right. that's the that's the big prize. Lifetime to Rotoviz. I mean, that's that's just money. But this uh this Matt, athletic. You realize you have to like send me a selfie afterwards or something. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, Matt's too uh too cool for that. He also is, by the way, drinking Miller High Life Light. That's a rumor. That's unconfirmed. <laughs> I had to do it. I mean, it, it's, you know, talking NASCAR. Oh, talking NASCAR. Okay. Second anyway, prize. second prize, uh, a one-year pass to, sorry, I should say a lifetime pass to all of the Road of His NASCAR content, uh, which is, you know, everything we've done this year. We've done a great job. We've had a lot of wins. We've had a lot of readers win. And uh, you could be potentially one of those readers that wins with a freebie pass for the rest of your life. And then, Third place will be a one-year pass to the NASCAR Road of His subscription. Uh, I think actually I, I, I put up there on the rules you can choose either NFL or NASCAR for both of those, the the, the lifetime and the one-year. So uh, whether you want NFL or you want NASCAR, your choice. And make sure you enter. Also, also I decided to write in the rules uh, as a little surprise to the current subscribers. If you are a current season-long subscriber to either NFL or NASCAR – or sorry, to NFL or NASCAR – you get an extra entry. And if you're subscribed season-long to both, you get two extra entries. So wow. uh, you can enter up to three times if you're a season-long subscriber to uh, the NASCAR Pass and the NFL Pass. Or if you're one or the other, you get one extra entry. Don't worry, I've got your email, so I know if you can enter twice or three times or not. But 
the cool thing is uh, with that, it, even if you're not a season-long subscriber now, you can get that 30% discount to the NFL Pass, 30% discount to the NASCAR Pass, either rotaviz.com slash podcast for NFL or rotaviz.com slash NASCAR podcast for NASCAR. Get a 30% discount and become a season-long subscriber and get that extra entry as well. Awesome. And uh, since we were pimping some of the, the rotaviz.com slash NASCAR podcast stuff, I should say NBA is also coming up. Uh they're starting to put out some NBA podcasts, so obviously yes, start definitely. to check that stuff out as well. And that subscription will be ready on Monday. Awesome. So we're gonna we're gonna crush NBA this year. It's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. I'm so excited. Yeah, I just have to say, and just like such a great time of year. I feel like I say that like every October, like early October. But you have baseball, the playoffs, NBA is coming up, the playoffs for NASCAR. We're really getting into like the meat of the season for NFL. It's just such a great time of year. Yeah, college football and then college yeah. basketball will start up soon. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know, it's 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 a great time of year. Uh, the only thing is like, you know, golf kind of winds down here, and uh, I, I guess like tennis does too, but nobody plays fantasy tennis. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, any any tips, any like hidden tips that you might have for uh, strategy for the road of his NASCAR playoff challenge? Yeah, I think there's a a couple major tips, tricks. First of all, really pay attention to the current playoff standings. Uh, I mentioned Martin Truex Jr. has a 56-point lead over Jamie McMurray without even this round having started. So make sure you pay attention to the playoff standings. Um, You know, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, they're not – well, especially not Larson, but uh, they're – you know, they're – they're pretty much shoe-ins, but I would say maybe Larson's more like a borderline shoe-in to the final round. You know, we'll, we'll get some more winners here in the second round. The third round, we're going to be eight going down to four. So it's good. You know, one bad race could put you in a really bad spot if you're going from eight to four. Whereas from, you know, 16 to 12, if you already have a 50-point lead, one bad race is basically just wipes out your 50-point lead. So really pay attention to the playoff standings first and foremost. Second, we're coming up to some interesting tracks. we got Charlotte this weekend. Then we've got Talladega. Then we have Kansas, and uh, you know there are certain drivers that do better at these tracks than others. So make sure you research into track history, track type history, uh, because two of these are, of course, one and a half mile ovals. And then we've got the restrictor plate race. So make sure you're really researching which drivers. And I would put less emphasis on the restrictor plate race because obviously anything can happen there. So don't. Don't just shoe in Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to the next round because he won the last two restrictor plate races because it's a lot more random. But, uh, you know, definitely pay attention to those mile and a half and pay attention to who has a strong track history at Charlotte and at Kansas. And, you know, if if they have a good history at Talladega, it certainly doesn't hurt. Okay. Let's talk about Charlotte, which is a one and a half mile quad oval. I feel like I could say that for almost any of these tracks and it would be right. Uh, it is similar in shape in banking to Atlanta, but uh, it has a newer surface. So the first race at Charlotte was the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, it was a night race. Uh, this weekend, the race is during the day. And that creates, I'm assuming, some sort of difference in terms of the racing that we see at Charlotte. Nick, talk to us about that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's a couple things that I think will be different. Obviously, the night-to-day aspect um, could change things. Usually at night, it's a little cooler. There's more, so the air is a little more dense. Uh, also, the track temperature means there the tires can grip a little bit better. It's not as slick. So also the the fact that the air is more dense means you get more downforce, and also you get more grip. So it's a lot easier handling on the car at night. But what that also means is typically it's a little bit harder to pass at night than during the day because uh, the guy who's out front with the clean air has the great downforce, the great grip, and uh, it makes it less of a uh, a race where you know it, it's hard to pass. So it's funny because the first race at Charlotte this year, the Coca-Cola 600, was preceded by the All-Star race, and the All-Star race was the most boring race I've ever seen in my life. There was almost no passing, and so then they tried to add this resin compound, whatever you want to call it, to make the racing better, and it did make the racing better, but it was still a night race. I think during the day we could see a little bit more uh, shenanigans, I guess, going on. You could see some passing. Um, some multi-groove racing. And if you get out of that resin, you can hit the wall. We've seen a couple drivers already hit the wall in first practice because as it turns out when NASCAR was, a, or the track, I don't know if it was NASCAR or the track, but when they were applying the resin, 
it didn't quite get down evenly in turns three and four. So they got out of the resin. We're expecting it to be there and uh, over pushed it and got into the wall. So uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of ways this could go. Um, but I think we will see more competitive racing. I don't know if that means we'll see more passing though, or, or more cautions or anything like that. Uh, we, I know you and I, Matt, you asked me about uh, New Hampshire, about the resin and, and the multi-groove. Does that make for more or less cautions? It actually ends up making for fewer cautions, uh, fewer DNFs I've found. So we could see a race that maybe doesn't have as many cautions, doesn't have as many DNFs. Probably the best question I've ever asked in the history of the show, other than all the questions that you've written for me to ask. Yeah, it might have been the best one you ever asked that you know I didn't actually that, write that out I, for that you. I came up with, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a very good question. Well, and... It's funny because Charlotte, uh, I was looking, you know, at DNF rates or problem rates, I should say. And over, since 2014, which um, 2013 is when the Gen 6 car came out, but really they started cutting some downforce in 2014 and 15 and 16 and 17. Uh, the DNF or problem rate, I should say, is almost exactly 20% in both the first race and the second race, which I think is interesting because the first race has 100 more miles, but still the same DNF rate. So... Uh, that said, about 20% of the car is DNF, but if we're going to see fewer cautions here, possibly, maybe we'll see a little bit lower than a 20% DNF rate, because we haven't had the compound here before, uh, with, you know, with the fall race or the spring race, so, um, you know, I I definitely think it's possible we see a lower DNF rate than the 20% we've seen in the past, but, um, who knows, first time it's been, uh, resin in the day at Charlotte. Okay, so, last race, uh... Night versus day. Another thing that's different is the number of laps. So the first race was 400 laps, and it was broken into four stages instead of the typical three. This weekend, it's only 334 laps, and we get three stages, the first two of which are 90 laps each, and then the third one is 154 laps. Uh, How does that impact the strategy compared to the first Charlotte race? Yeah, so I actually don't think it does uh, impact strategy at all. Those 10 laps aren't going to mean a whole bunch for fuel strategy. They'll mean nothing. Uh, everybody's going to have to pit, you know, whether they're doing a 90-lap stage or a 100-lap stage, you're going to have to pit one time so before the end of the stage, and then you'll pit again at the end of the stage. The only real major change is that final stage now is a 154-lap stage instead of two 100-lap stages. Uh so that's where the strategy is going to change, you know, 154 laps, um, you know, that, that, that you could break that into uh, f- probably you're going to pit twice in that, even if you go green the whole way. So um, that would be the big change there is that final stage. The first couple stages, we're going to see the same thing. But uh, I think it'll be pretty interesting because we know Austin Dillon won the first race, the Coca-Cola 600, and even though it was broken into four stages, it still ended up a fuel mileage race, which the Coca-Cola 600 always seems to end up as a fuel mileage race. I don't think we get a fuel mileage race here. That's my best bet. So I think the way it changes is we probably don't get a fuel race, fuel mileage race. That said, you never know. It, a lot of times the fuel mileage racing depends on when that last caution is thrown. But uh, I think in this case, we probably will not see a fuel mileage race to the end, which won't shake up the order as much. So I think this one will probably be a little more predictable than the 600. Okay. Let's talk about statistics. Which statistics should DFS players use to consider or or to gauge driver performance for the race this weekend? Yep. It's um, unfortunately, I don't have any super insightful things here because it's our typical mile and a half. So what we're going to look at, uh, with Charlotte, because it is a track that historically has been harder to pass on, uh, we are going to look at starting position. That will matter. Um, you know, it is it is a tough track to pass at, although I think the compound probably reduces that a little bit. So don't put too much emphasis on starting position, but uh, starting position and finishing position certainly correlate here, whereas other tracks we mentioned in New Hampshire a couple weeks ago had basically no correlation between starting position and finishing position, at least when you factor in other variables as well, like practice and stuff. But Here we can also factor in practice variables. Uh, The 10-lap average is highly, highly significant, and uh, obviously that's going to be a big thing. I already talked about focusing on, uh, you know, watching the the practice sessions, et cetera. It's going to be super important this weekend, so make sure you pay attention to practice, not just the the practice times, not just uh, when they go in the session, but follow the driver, Twitter, chatter, you know, the media chatter, everything like that. Uh, One thing that happened last weekend with the 10 lap average is very important 
but it turns out after 10 laps, Kyle Busch's car petered out. And so that's why he didn't dominate that first portion of the race, even though he had the fastest 10 lap average in both the second and third practice sessions after 10 laps, his car was junk. And so there was no chance for him to lead a ton of laps if his car became junk that quickly. Fortunately, they had a long race, 400 laps, 400 miles, a lot of pit stops. They were able to fine tune the car and get it right for the end of the race, but he was not a dominator for, for the race at all at Dover last weekend. So make sure you're paying attention to practice beyond just the 10 lap times or when they went in the session, things like that. This year's driver rating or this year's performance, very important, and performance at the large ovals this year as well, also highly important. Unfortunately, not a whole lot beyond that. I mean, that's that's really what these mile and a half come down to pretty much race after race after race. Uh, the only difference usually is Atlanta where where there's a lot of tire wear um, or, or Auto Club, which is a two-mile oval, which also has a lot of tire wear. But, but all of these that have – you know, tires do wear at Charlotte. They don't wear at the rate they do at Atlanta, but uh, – at least at Charlotte, um, you know, it's it's less tire wear than Atlanta. It's more along the lines of a lot of these other tracks. So it's your pretty typical mile and a half oval. Okay, so uh, a, a follow-up question on this. Charlotte was the last year, so the, the fall Charlotte race. That was the first race of the second round last year also, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to the dynamics that we see with it being the first race of the second round. Do we normally see the, uh, not the chase drivers, but the playoff drivers, do we normally see them, uh, I guess, how do they normally race in comparison to other drivers or in comparison to whether uh, this is like the second or the third race of the round? Do we normally see them be a little more conservative in what they're doing? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question because I think it actually depends on the playoff round. So going from 16 and 12 is 75% of the field advances. 12 to 8, only two-thirds of the field advance. And you have another unique thing about the second round of the playoffs is Talladega. Right. And it doesn't matter if Talladega is the second race or the third race, but of that round, it's still a wild card race because you never know when you're going to wreck out of that race. Uh, you just never know. You could play it as safe as possible, ride around in the back. And this time, uh, Talladega is the second race of the round. So the drivers who had a very good first or second round and were very good points shape last year, or, or, or I think it was two years ago and last year, could just kind of ride around the back at Talladega, avoid all the, the big wrecks and just kind of, you know, wait until the last 10 laps to kind of make their way forward a little bit. So NASCAR moved that to the second round of the second race of the second round this year. So Talladega, you can't hang out in the back now. You can't because you, you don't know what's going to happen at third race at Kansas. If you if you have a problem at Kansas, well, you can't sit there and ride in the back at Talladega because you don't know if uh, you're going to have a great race at Kansas or a terrible race at Kansas. So it, it really throws things. So what that does for Charlotte is everybody needs to have a good race. They should not be gambling too much. Uh, obviously, if you're in a position to win, you want to put yourself in that position to win and stay in that position to win and do the best strategy that will give yourself the best chance to win. But sometimes it's okay to sacrifice the win to give yourself the best opportunity to not fall back too far as well. So I don't think, you know, if there's a, if there's a point in the race where there's a kind of like a bifurcation where you either finish all the way up front or you finish 20th, you're probably not going to take that that decision. Instead, you'll take the other decision where you're probably just going to finish fifth no matter what. That's probably what most teams should do, unless you're a big underdog like Stenhouse or McMurray. I can see maybe a couple of them gambling. Interesting. Okay, so uh, obviously at Rotoviz you have models. Uh, how accurate is the model for Charlotte? We do have models at Rotoviz. I'm one of them, right? Uh, but uh, boom, boom. <laughs> the model for Charlotte. You're a hand uh, model, Nick. It's not that glorious. Uh, yeah, it's true, um, unfortunately. But uh, I will be modeling the, the Rotoviz athletic pullover on, on Twitter whenever I get it. But uh, anyway, um, that was really bad. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, so the model is, is very accurate for Charlotte. It's the third or sixth. Second most accurate race, depending on the way you define the accuracy, um, over well over 0.6, and uh, you know that's right up there with Phoenix. I think um, it's it's right there, top two or three, super accurate. But I will say we have never had a 
spring race or a fall race on the resin until this year. And there was a little bit of shakeup, of course, in the 600, uh, obviously because of the the fuel situation. But we don't know how the resin is going to impact things. I have a feeling it won't impact it too much because we actually tend to see fewer cautions with the resin, which means we tend to see fewer shakeup in the order. So I don't think it'll be any less predictable, but uh, it usually is one of the more predictable tracks in all of NASCAR. Again, the caveat being we don't know about the, the way the resin will shake things up. And Charlotte has started to age a little bit. I know it's not as old as Atlanta. It's twin track that we talked about uh, in terms of tire wear and abrasiveness and all that stuff. But it is aging. I mean, it was paved over 10 years ago. I think it was 2005 was when it was paved versus Atlanta was, you know, or sorry, 2007 versus Atlanta was 1997 or eight or nine or something like that. I don't have that in front of me, but you get the idea. There's a big difference between the two, but the gap is closing. So it makes Charlotte probably a little less predictable than in the past. If you get more tire wear, needing to pit, needing to use more strategy around tires, that does shake things up a little more. So I don't know if it'll be 0.65 or 6.2 predictable like the model approximately gives you know but maybe 0.58 0.6 up there that's still one of the top three or four races or race tracks in terms of predictability okay let's get to the picks who are the drivers you think will dominate this weekend at charlotte yeah i i kind of just want to give like the shrug emoji or whatever that one is uh because i have no idea um you look at qualifying, and you've got, obviously, Denny Hamlin, who qualified first, Matt Kenseth second. You kind of want to pick probably, you know, most people want to pick Hamlin to, to be a dominator, and he does have a pretty good Charlotte history. as the fourth-best driver rating at Charlotte over or since the Gen 6 car in 2013, but he doesn't have a, a dominator history. The dominators at Charlotte in the recent history have been Truex, Johnson, Harvick, and Chase Elliott with even Casey Kane thrown in there, but that was more like 2013, 2014. So the, the very recent dominators the past two years, you know, if you're looking at, well, let's say 2015 and 16, and then the first race this year at 2017, you're looking at Truex, uh, you're looking at, at even Logano, Johnson, uh, Elliott. So those are the guys you're looking at. We can probably rule out Joey Logano given where he's starting and how bad he's been this year. Jimmy Johnson, you can probably rule him out. Uh, Truex started 17, so you can kind of almost rule him out as a, a likely dominator. So now you're like, well, who's going to dominate? You know, I didn't mention Kenseth or Hamlin, who are starting Hamlin first and Kenseth second. I didn't mention Kevin Harvick, but Harvick has qualified on the pole twice in a row here and almost qualified this time a third time in a row. He was .03 seconds off of the pole, yet he's starting third. So I don't know. I mean, this is going to be – this is the most interesting race of the year in my opinion. I think it's perfect that this happened for Fantasy Racing World Championships uh, 10 down to 5 because we could see a ton of different lineups. So right now, I think Kevin Harvick is probably the most likely dominator given he's starting third, given um, he's been very good at Charlotte recently, uh, the second best driver rating over the last two years – or last three if you include this year um, – but Denny Hamlin also, I think, is pretty likely the the third best driver rating over since 2015 at Charlotte, uh, and um, I, I'm just I'm worried about in the long run whether Denny Hamlin will actually have the best car. But those two seem to be the most likely, given that they're starting first and third. You can't rule out Kyle Busch starting in fourth, but this is not one of his better tracks. So uh, very interesting because of the three drivers that we're talking about, the big three: Larson, Busch, and, and Truex. Kyle Busch is the worst of the three here at Charlotte. Hasn't had a great history here. Uh, I think this is the only track he's never won at, a points-paying race in NASCAR. So makes it just a really crazy weekend for Dominators. Interesting. So uh, a lot of potential Dominators there. What do we normally see uh, in terms of the number of Dominators at uh, this shorter Charlotte race? Not the, the longer one, but the, the fall Charlotte race. Right. Yeah. So the fall Charlotte race, we typically see two. Occasionally we see three. Um, if I look, you know, back through Charlotte history, it, it tends to be that, um, you know, I, I, 2014, Kevin Harvick, 162 laps led Jeff Gordon, 74, Kyle Busch, 41. So that was a three dominator race. But then you go to the next year, it was basically just Joey Logano, 227 laps led. Sam Hornish all by him or Sam Hornish second, but only 22 laps led. Uh, I should say there's another another dominator there who did not finish. And that's why I don't have that listed. But uh, um, then the next year after that, another two dominator race. So it's two to three 
Um, I know with the 600, we usually get three to four. So it's usually one, on average, one less dominator than the 600 because we get the fuel mileage, because we get an extra 100 miles of racing. It just allows for that many more things to happen. But this is like your typical mile and a half, two to three dominators. Uh, with the way Charlotte was in the past, it was it was two most of the time in some threes, given it was harder to pass at, uh, less tire wear at night. Now it's a day race, more tire wear, stages. I think we could see potentially three dominators this weekend. Okay. Cash game picks. Who are you looking at? Well, uh, you obviously have to go with Eric Jones. He didn't make a qualifying run, so he is starting all the way back there in 38th position just because uh, he didn't get to to make a qualifying run. Uh, three drivers did not make a qualifying run. It was Eric, excuse me, Eric Jones, Corey LaJoy, and Brett Moffitt, but you're not really uh, picking Corey, Corey LaJoy or Brett Moffitt. You're picking Eric Jones there in 38th. Um, very obvious cash game play. Joey Logano, I think, is in play for cash games, as is Jimmy Johnson. They start 28th and 25th. I think what it's going to come down to is, is Joey Logano going to be the Joey Logano of old here? If not, you probably want to go with Jimmy Johnson. Then I think you need to take some dominator shots if in cash games because that raises your floor, you know, starting a Denny Hamlin, maybe starting even a Kevin Harvick, and then figuring out who else you want to go from there. So it really becomes a couple – you get a lot of decisions here. Who do you want to start in dominators? How many dominators do you want to start in cash or potential dominators, I should say? Do you pick Jimmy and Logano, one or the other, both, uh, neither, right? Do you fade Eric Jones because he has a history of wrecking this year and is not a a great cash game play in general when he's starting a little further forward because he has a a lot of wrecks this year? But this is like the most wild week because everything that can happen, you can almost give a reason to do to play the driver or to not play the driver. It almost feels like in some ways the way the NFL is becoming these days, you can kind of almost give you a reason for playing or not playing almost. It feels like any, almost any NFL player, but I feel like that's this weekend at Charlotte. Like Eric Jones is starting 38th and you have to play him in cash, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if he wrecked out given his wreck percentage this year. Okay. GPPs. Who are you looking at? Yeah, I, I think Matt Kenseth is a super interesting GPP play. I didn't mention him necessarily as a dominator over Hamlin and Harvick, but he does have a very strong history here, and his price is super cheap. So if he does dominate at 8-6, something like that, it's it's a huge, huge boon to your lineup that you get a guy who's 8,600, dominates, and uh, you know picks up, let's say he dominates a good portion of this race, he ends up picking a ton of points up. You know, he could provide 12, 13, 14x value, which is is awesome for NASCAR. So I definitely think Matt Kenseth is in play as a dominator. Uh, a couple of other interesting um, picks, I should say, as a contrarian play, but also a contrarian dominator for, for Matt Kenseth there. A couple other interesting picks. Um, Jamie McMurray, I think, will go overlooked starting in 18th. Charlotte has been one of his best tracks. He has multiple career wins here. All-star race. Uh, he's won this race, not the 600, but he's won this this race, the uh, this, the fall race at Charlotte. Um, I think his, it, was, yeah, it was his first career win also came at Charlotte, which was three races into his career uh, or four races. So Jamie Murray, this is a very good track for him. And I think he gets overlooked starting in 18th place, given the fact Truex starts 17th. You've got Johnson 25th. you got Lagana 28th. And I know Jamie McMurray – Probably is not the best GPP play given the fact that he is a playoff contender. But I also think that actually, in a way, will get people off of him. And I actually think that boosts his value because he's a guy that will just be super consistent. He'll make his way forward. He won't put himself in trouble. And he'll probably finish fifth or sixth, right? And not probably, but he has a very good chance of finishing fifth or sixth just by being Jamie McMurray at Charlotte. And if he finishes fifth or sixth, at his price tag, he could end up in the winning lineup. Uh, they did price him up, though, 8800 so that also could keep people off him. I think he's going to be really low-owned, and I, I really think he's a, a super interesting GPP play because I don't think anybody's going to be on him. They're going to be looking at Truex. They're going to be looking you know, for place differential starting 17th. They're going to be looking at Hamlin or Kenseth for dominating or Harvick or Kyle Busch or Larson, Jimmy Johnson and Logano for place differential. Those guys are going to be all chalk. All of them are going to be chalk. So who are we going to pick at a higher price tag? I think Jamie McMurray might be that guy we pick at the higher price tag, just given what he can do here. We're talking, you know, distributions, range of outcomes. He has that upside that we want 
while relative to his ownership percentage, it's going to be, I think, pretty low. Another driver I like, uh, I like Trevor Bain starting 26th. So we we know we've already ruined the show given the fact that we're talking about Trevor Bain starting 26th and uh, playing him in a GPP. Well, fortunately, the show is almost over. So yeah, yeah. and and who are we kidding? It was it was ruined before this, but that's Let's, true. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, I do want to say one thing about Bain. He's been really good at the mile and a halfs uh, in the in, you know the large oval category in general this year. That that uh, you know that Roush Fenway Racing Team, which used to be a powerhouse of NASCAR has struggled the past couple of years, but they've really made strides this year, especially at the large ovals. Um, you know, Trevor Bain, 19th best driver rating, starting 26th. You get a little bit better than that average finish. He could be in the winning lineup at a $7,000 price tag. I feel like you're talking about Trevor Bain just to throw some of your potential competitors off in the, uh, in the main event. You know what I'm saying? Why just would I do such a thing? Why would I do such a thing? Because uh, you <laughs> want to win. You know, yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Because you're a winner. All right. Uh, Joe Dirt Cheap driver. Who are you looking at? It's Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense that this driver is priced like a Joe Dirt Cheap driver, but it's Eric Almarola. Uh, I know he qualified 24th, so it's a little bit far forward for him, but Eric Almarola has been very good, again, at the large oval category this year. So I, I like looking at that category because it makes a lot of sense to look at. He, you know, given the fact that it is large oval and given the fact that they all uh, really are important. So he's got the 23rd best driver rating. Um, I know he's again, I mentioned he starts 24th, but let's say he beats his average driver rating there and finishes 20th then you're, or, or 18th or something like that. And you're getting a driver's priced at $5,800 who could finish 18th and pick up place differential, six positions, something like that. That is going to be a nice day. You're going to get, um, you know, something like. 26 plus uh six you know 32 points for drivers less than six thousand dollars that's over 5x you're gonna love that um you're not gonna get that from any other driver in the joe dirt cheap range probably 6x at all unless just absolute batshit crazy stuff happens so um eric almarola i think is the gpp joe dirt cheap play if you want a cash game Joe Dirt cheap play, Brett Moffitt is the guy. He didn't make a qualifying run. He will pass some drivers. And he's priced at min salary 4500 this weekend. So um, I have no problem playing Brett Moffitt in a cash game. Even some GPPs, obviously. If you, you know, we've got a lot of expensive drivers that have the potential to do something this weekend. And uh, certainly Brett Moffitt in play as a, a play in all four. I mean, if you're if you're a cash game play in NASCAR, you're also a GPP play. It's not like the NFL where like some guys have maybe a limited ceiling, but a very high floor as well. If you have a high floor, you also have a, a relatively high ceiling in NASCAR, uh, a little bit different of a, a DFS sport there. So Brett Moffitt is in play in Joe dirt as well. Okay. Who is your pick to win the race as of now? Dude, I have no idea. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Kevin Harvick. I don't know if it's that much of a limb given how good he's been here, but he hasn't completely dominated here, which is the thing that does scare me a little bit. Uh, I will say, at the large ovals this year, in terms of you know, races that a, a that have been run at the large ovals this year, Kevin Harvick second best uh, dominator percentage, 14.2 percent of laps led, which pales in comparison to Martin Truex Jr.'s 35 percent laps led. I mean, that's that's more than almost you know one third of the laps that Martin Truex Jr. has led. So I think it'll be Kevin Harvick. He's got a good starting position. Charlotte's been a good track for him. Uh, he's dominated at large ovals this year. And uh, I just don't think it's going to be one of the big three. I don't, I don't have a compelling reason for it other than their starting positions. And the way they're starting is kind of inverted of what you'd expect from them. You'd expect Kyle Busch to be the worst here, but he's starting the furthest forward. Kyle Larson, you expect to maybe be second best here. He's starting second best. And Truex, you expect to be the best here, but he's only starting 17th. So we'll have to see. But uh, that certainly presents some challenges for all three of those guys. So I'm going to give it to Kevin Harvick as my pick to win. Okay. So uh, closing thoughts. or act So Road of His Live. There's a Road of His Live show this weekend. When is that? Yeah, so we've been since NFL started, we've been doing uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, but that's not going to happen this week. So not 7 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. It'll be 5 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, uh, which is of course the day before the race. Um, so two hours earlier than we've been doing the last two weeks, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Road of his live, same format. Road of his live, or sorry, roadofhis.com/live hashtag RV live to ask your questions. I'll answer them all. 
Uh, the article, so qualifying, or sorry, practice, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Practice ends at uh, 2.30-ish, 2.20, something like that, Eastern time. And uh, so that'll be 11.20 Pacific time. I'm, I'm still thinking on Pacific time. But uh, then I'll probably do the article for two hours, get the article published within the, in the apps updated within two hours after final practice. And then we'll get, I'll give me a half an hour to kind of switch gears, get rid of his live going, set up all the YouTube stuff and everything like that. And we'll be good to go. So 5 p.m. or Eastern time. Gosh, I hate time zones. 2 p.m. Pacific time. Road of his live. Time zones are difficult, I have to say. They, give, they are, uh, man. They give math geniuses lots of problems. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't do this arithmetic crap. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it for this NASCAR edition of On the Daily. For Nick Giffen on Twitter at Rotodoc, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.